bad rep as a manager here because he didn't have a whole lot of talent to work with. But that last season in 16, the Rockies were actually starting to make some steps toward respectability. And I think the feeling around for a lot of Rockies fans that Walt Weiss was just a washout manager, um, I don't think that's really true because you look what he's done as a bench coach with the Braves and everything that Walt has done throughout his career, both as a player, a front office type guy, assistant coach and a manager, he's had a remarkable career. And I hope people realize that, that, that Walt Weiss is a special baseball guy and a, and a terrific person. So I would be just thrilled for both he and Eli uh, if they could win the World Series. I think that'd be awesome. So it's a cool storyline to watch. Like you mentioned, Weiss is the bench coach, EY senior, the first base coach, and the Braves have a lot of experience on that coaching staff. Another ex-manager as the third base coach and Ron Washington. So yeah. a lot of experience there. And like you mentioned, you know, maybe the Braves' success could parlay Walt Weiss into another opportunity to manage because kind of got the short end of the stick here uh, in Colorado in terms of what he was dealt relationship with the GM, etc. So, and then yeah, that, that's an interesting point, Kyle. I, I, I do wonder, having, and I still keep in very close touch with Walt, I do wonder whether he wants that or not. Right. Another managerial spot. Yeah. Uh, perhaps if the right one came along, uh, but I, I think he likes what he's doing now. I really do. He, he can do the the X's and O's of an in-game thing. He can relate to the players a little more closely than the the actual manager, and but he doesn't have the public burden, you know. And I love Walt to death, but he was never super comfortable uh, being the the face of the franchise, so to speak. Certainly not like Buddy Black is. Right. One final note on Tyler Matzik, obviously a former first round pick by the Rockies, eleventh overall in two thousand nine, out of high school in California, and pitched for the Rockies in fourteen and fifteen had a 4.06 ERA with the Rockies, but as we briefly discussed, the Yips basically derailed his career, and it was amazing to see his comeback. Broke back into the majors last year, 2020, with Atlanta after five seasons off, posted a 2.79 ERA. He's topped that this year with a 2.57 in 69 games. It'd be pretty cool to see Matzik, you know, maybe be a deciding pitcher in one of these late games in the series here, Patrick. It really would. You know, Kyle, I re vividly recall when he was first starting to, his career was being derailed by the yips, as we call it. But it was more than that. Uh, he had a really bad performance anxiety. And uh, I flew out to Southern California, actually, and he and I met at a Starbucks. And we talked for maybe three hours. And I was just really shocked about how open Tyler was about what he was going through with me. And um, ever since then, you know, I followed his career pretty closely. And, you know, he, he ended up pitching in the Independent American Association for the Texas Airhawks. And he said at that point, he said, did your velocity on your fastball disappear? And he's throwing 98, 99 now. And he said, no. He said, uh, but I was lobbing it in at 83 miles an hour because any time I tried to cut loose, it would end up at the backstop. So, you know, it took a while, but uh, – He's, he's one of the best storylines going during, during, during this World Series, for sure. Again, folks, this is the On the Rocks podcast brought to you by the Denver Post. This is Kyle Newman alongside Patrick Saunders. Appreciate you joining in on today's show, denverpost.com slash Rockies, for more coverage of the team going forward this offseason. Speaking of this offseason, Rockies and GM Bill Schmidt already in full swing here. 
and a litany of coaching changes over this past week. Most notably, pitching coach Steve Foster. He is going to step out of that role into Mark Wiley's role. Mark Wiley retired. He was previously the pitching coordinator. So Foster stepping into a similar type role there, and then a litany of hitting coaching changes as well, Patrick. Yeah, uh, the Foster thing surprised me a little bit. I mean, he and uh, he and Bud Black were pretty well in concert together to to form, uh, by Rocky standards anyway, a pretty good rotation over the last few years. Uh, but from everything I've been told, now the Rockies haven't officially made the announcement, but from everything I've been told, uh, for Steve Foster, it was essentially he wanted more time with his family, specifically time with uh, his daughter Lauren, who will be playing another year for the Wisconsin softball team. And as you well know, because I know you wrote a story about this, uh, Fosty and his daughter are very close. Fosty's taken a huge interest in uh, her softball career. And he just wanted that experience. And this move enables him to still uh, become, remain rather part of the Rockies organization. Uh, but he doesn't have to travel quite so much. Uh, Mark Wiley, of course, I think 52 years in professional baseball, if I'm not mistaken. Pitching coordinator, uh, Kawa, describe for the listeners kind of what the pitching coordinator for the Rockies does. Yeah, so basically pitching coordinator oversees all the arms in the organization, you know, the development of, of the top guys like the Ryan Rollisons all the way down to, you know, the late round draft picks. Uh, he, he monitors their development at each level. He, you know, works in concert with the farm director, who is currently Chris Forbes, to you know, decide when to push pitchers along, maybe when to rear back a little bit. Uh, he works with the pitching coaches at each level to develop particular arsenals, work on mechanics, etc. So he's very involved, you know, with, with all the minor league prospects all the way from rookie ball up through AAA. And then by the time these pitchers get to the big leagues, they, they know the pitching coordinator just about as well as anybody in the organization. Exactly, exactly. And when the Rockies started this, uh, with Mark Wiley as the coordinator, et cetera. The idea was to have a common thread about what they wanted uh, from their pitchers from you know the bottom all the way up to the majors. And in the Rockies' case, uh, that means they wanted almost all of their pitchers to be able to throw a decent changeup by the time they come to, uh, to the majors because the Rockies, and, and I agree with them, uh, they think the changeup might be the best weapon that plays at altitude of Coors Field because it's not so dependent on break, et cetera. Uh, but it's a difficult pitch to master, and it takes a long time. But uh, I think Wiley did a really good job. And uh, I think they're going to tweak the role for Steve Foster a little bit um, to, to suit his you know personality, his skill set, and also his travel schedule. And then moving out of the bullpen to take the pitching, head pitching coach job for the Rockies now is Daryl Scott. And I know the bullpen was not very good this last year, but I'm not sure you can lay all that on Daryl Scott. I, as a matter of fact, I know you can. From what I've been told, Kyle, and I think you'd agree with this, Daryl has a pretty good relationship with a lot of these pitchers who are currently on the Rockies staff. I'm talking about Tony Sensatella, Kyle Freeland, uh, in particular Marquez for a little bit. Daryl Scott's known as a really good communicator, very 
simplified approach to the game, to pitching. Uh, and a lot of guys say that when they were in Triple A, when he was there, uh, and then later when he was basically kind of roving, uh, and his skill set really plays with with pro pitchers. So uh, I think it's a pretty good move by the Rockies. And once again, they, as the Rockies tend to do, they didn't go outside. They just, you know, shuffled the the chairs on the deck, so to speak. So. Uh, but I think Daryl Scott would be just fine as the head pitching coach. And then Dave Madigan still in as the Rockies hitting coach, Patrick. But as I understand it, uh, it wasn't Jeff Salazar's decision to step aside as assistant hitting coach and, and Tim Doherty out as well. Right. And, you know, the Rockies, for the first time in their history last year, actually had three hitting coaches. Uh, didn't really work. I mean, it's one of the worst offensive performances this franchise has ever had. Uh, and I don't know all the details about Jeff, but clearly, uh, you know, he was fired, to put it in blunt terms. It wasn't his idea to leave the organization, but the the Rockies moved on from both him and Tim Doherty. Uh, Dave Madigan, uh, as far as we know, is still going to be the the main hitting coach. Um, you know, it's interesting. I hear from fans all the time, well, they need to fire this guy or fire that guy, meaning the coaches. It's not always as simple as that. I mean, right. sure, there's dis- there's disconnects sometimes, and sometimes you can lay the poor performance at the foot of the of a coach. But at this level of baseball, that's really kind of unfair because by the time these guys reach the majors, you know what the hitting coach does is he puts in a lot of hours working with the guys, but he's not going to miraculously change them. He can give them tidbits. He can spot flaws in their swings. But a lot of these guys, they hone their technique, et cetera, with other coaches during the offseason. Let's face it, some of the, the major league hitters are pretty stubborn about the way they go about things. Uh, so for fans to say, well, fire the hitting coach because the offense sucks, you know, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. You can't lay it all. Uh, the Rockies' offensive blows can't be laid simply on the heading coach. On the Rocks podcast, that's Patrick Saunders. This is Kyle Newman. A couple more topics on today's show. So Herman Marquez was a finalist for the Silver Slugger. And, of course, he's won that award before a couple years ago. He's the Rockies' only finalist for that award. And then defensively, Ryan McMahon, the Rockies' only finalist for the Gold Glove Award. And he's going up against a couple familiar foes over at third base for that award. The Cardinals' Nolan Arenado, who's won the award eight straight times in the National League, and then Manny Machado for the Padres, who has won a couple gold gloves at third base over in the American League. Do you like Ryan McMahon's chances? Or It seems to me like this is going to be Nolan's award, as it has been for nearly the last decade, but a great de- defensive season by McMahon nonetheless. And What do you think about his chances to win this award, Patrick? Yeah, it's funny. I, I texted congrats to, to Ryan Mack yesterday when he was announced as a finalist. Uh, you know, and he, he was obviously very happy, and I said, you know, chances are Nolan's <laughs> going to win it again. And he said, well, we'll see. Uh, truthfully, Ryan Mack probably didn't make the highlight reels as often as Nolan did because Nolan still had a number of spectacular plays this year for the Cardinals. Uh, and you know, in terms of Put outs and double plays started, and 
all those sorts of things going was right at the top. But when you look at defensive metrics, uh, runs saved, all of those sorts of things, Brian McMahon was by far the best third baseman. Um, and truthfully, if you're talking about the best fielding third baseman in the National League in 2021, it was Ryan McMahon. But as you well know, uh, Gold Glove, it's a great award. Uh, it's one of the coolest trophies in sports, I think. I, the, yeah. the Gold Glove itself, the actual trophy is just spectacular. Uh, but a lot of it's about reputation uh, because managers and coaches uh, vote for it. They can't vote for guys on their own team. The managers and coaches vote for it. And let's be real, I don't think that they spend a lot of time delving into the numbers. They go by what they know. And what they know is Nolan Arenado is probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so I would be very surprised if Brian McMahon wins a gold glove. I think he deserves it, but that's not how gold gloves work a lot of times. So my guess is Nolan is likely to walk away with his ninth consecutive gold glove, hey, which is great. I mean, I, I want to see Nolan in the Hall of Fame, and I – I hope he succeeds. I hope he has a phenomenal career with the Cardinals. But I'm going to be honest, Brian McMahon's one of my favorite players on the Rockies as a person. Uh, I loved watching him play this year, and um, he was just solid as solid could be over third base. And he had his share of great plays. He may not be as flashy as Nolan, but, man, he had some terrific plays on his own. But bottom line, I would be shocked if Brian McMahon wins it. If he does, oh, awesome. Like you said, the sabermetrics, defensive runs saved, etc., might favor number 24 on the Rockies, but uh, number 28 on the Cardinals has the reputation behind him, and also another great defensive season as well. It's the On the Rocks podcast. This is Kyle Newman alongside Patrick Saunders. And we'll close the show here with a hypothetical here. Put on our GM caps, and if we were Bill Schmidt, what would we do this offseason? And I'll start off by saying I think the Rockies need to lean into this rebuild a little more. You know, we saw them sign Sensatella, Crone uh, to a two-year deal, and that's all well and good. But I think you got to start looking at being becoming sellers here if you're Bill Schmidt and looking towards you know two or three years down the line because you got a lot of really top prospects coming up in your lower levels that are really carrying your minor league organization in terms of top prospects. Give those guys a couple years to develop. See what you can get for some of the tradable pieces on your team and start to build for the future. And I think you got to accumulate more starting pitching. And I know that's tough to bring guys in here as free agents or to trade for them, but you got to accumulate more starting pitching because that's where the Rockies farm is the thinnest is starting pitching prospects. You know, you got a couple pieces in place for the next few years. Since it's hell, obviously, a five-year deal. Aramon is under contract for a few more years. But I think you got to start looking to the future here and say, hey, 2022, we're probably not going to compete again. But if we make some serious moves, maybe we could start to be relevant in 2023 and maybe even the playoff team in 2024. Patrick, your thoughts? Well, I would tend to agree with you, Kyle, but I don't think that's going to happen. Because the Rockies, they're simply not one of those teams in my mind that really tear down and build up. The Rockies always kind of 
want to keep the status quo, and they always they always think they're a little better than they truly are. So my guess, talking to Bill Schmidt, talking to Bud Black, talking to people, the Rockies really genuinely believe that they can add a few pieces to the bullpen, to the offense. They can build around what they think is a pretty salty starting rotation, and they can compete if not in 2022, certainly 2023, without making major, major moves. Now, we can all disagree with that, but I just think Rockies are very unlikely to quote-unquote tank and become the Houston Astros of, you know, eight years ago when the Astros lost 100-plus games three years in a row. They're not going to become the Tigers or the Royals or the Pirates. It's just kind of the Rockies' way. It's why they've never lost 100 games in their franchise history. So I look at it a little bit differently, not philosophically, but realistically, I think what the Rockies are going to try to do is they may splurge on one big free agent. It might be somebody like the Reds outfielder uh, Nick Castellanos. Uh, who knows? It, maybe they make a play for a, a middle infielder. But my guess is they'll because they're not going to have to pay Trevor Story. They'll go for somebody that might get for $20 million or so a year on a three- or four-year deal, try to add a bullpen arm, and then they may trade a couple of pieces. Uh, I think their top tradable piece right now is probably Ryan Altapia. If I had anybody that I think the Rockies are going to trade, he'd be the, he'd be the guy, because I think he's gone about as far as he can with this organization. Uh, he's a good, solid player, uh, but I think the Rockies need more pop in the outfield. And I think Toppy is the kind of player that would shine in another organization that could use his skills. But with Connor Joe showing up pretty well, and if the Rockies add an outfield slugger, it doesn't really leave a lot of room for Tab. So I'm not saying he won't be back, but it would not shock me if he's a trade piece. Um, Bill Schmidt with him a few times during the offseason. Uh, he made it clear to me that, yes, power power bat is needed. Uh, middle infield help could be a possibility. Uh, and, you know, the Rockies, depending on what happens with John Gray, as you mentioned, they might need a starting pitcher. You know, the John Gray situation is interesting. John made so much news saying he wanted to retain uh, his ties with the Rockies, wanted to stay in Colorado. Rockies made an offer, and his agent turned it down. Doesn't mean that John Gray won't be back, but he's certainly going to explore the free agent market, I believe. So there is a possibility they lose John Gray, uh, and I'm not sure either uh, Brian Rollison or Peter Lambert are really ready to be a solid big league starter this coming season. So the Rockies might need to explore a, a veteran starter as well. We'll see how that goes. But uh, there's a lot of holes to fill on this team, no question. And we haven't even brought up the bullpen. You mean the arm barn? The what? The arm barn. Arm barn? Yeah. Uh, is that what a bullpen is called, an arm barn? Uh, barn? PETA, PETA, the people for ethical treatment of animals, are calling yes. for the bullpen to be renamed the arm barn because – it's degrading to animals or something. No. Check it. Check it out on their Twitter. They, Seriously, 
You're making that up. No, I'm not. And they've changed their whole Twitter like profile as like a push for this like let's let's be more sensitive with our baseball verbiage, you know? That's that's one of the more ridiculous things I've heard. Look it up. I encourage you listeners to as well. <laughs> I am voting no on changing bullpen to armbar. Okay. Interesting. I I did not heard that. It's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. Not that you said it. I'm not saying that you said it's ridiculous. So two no votes here. Okay, yes, okay. that's ridiculous. On the Rocks podcast, that's Patrick Saunders. This is Kyle Newman. Head online to DenverPost.com slash Rockies for continued coverage of the team throughout the offseason. Patrick Saunders will be on it like white on rice. Appreciate you listening in to today's show on the Rocks podcast. Until next time, folks. Take it easy. easy.